everyone, and welcome to Morning Coffee. I am Brooke Carlock. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. I have got my morning coffee, and I am so excited about my guest today. So this is someone that I've gotten to know actually through both my grief work on YouTube and also from my own personal grief. After my daughter Libby passed away, I actually watched uh, Joe McRogers' videos and they helped me through my own grief so much. So I'm so excited to have her here today joining us. We are going to be talking about the loss of identity and changes of identity in grief. So I am going to bring her on now. As, as always, if you have any questions for either of us, feel free to throw those into the chat and we will be happy to answer them for you. If you have any comments, it's always better when people are talking in there. So let us know if you have any questions or comments. All right. I am going to welcome Joe. Hello. Thank you for Hello. joining us. I'm excited to be here. I also have my coffee mug. So. Nice. What are you drinking? I always have my protein chocolate coffee, but what do you have today? Oh, today, well, I've had my coffee. Today I'm on to tea now. <laughs> tea? Okay. Yes. <laughs> I'm not a tea fan. Everyone that knows me or watches me knows I am. Yeah. yeah. I've tried so many types of tea and <laughs> a single one that I actually like. So. Right. Sometimes it's just hot water in my mug. Yes, it is. It's kind of just like hot. Ugh. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Well, enjoy your tea. Thank, Thank you. you again for joining us. So I figured to start off, um, if you just want to kind of introduce yourself, tell everyone a little bit about right. who you are, maybe how you got into grief. Yep. Okay. Yeah, sure. Well, first of all, I want to say I'm really excited to be here because, uh, yeah, Brooke and I have connected and I feel like I've kind of found one of my, you know, uh, soulmates in grief work because her work is so vibrant and real and there are so many uh, levels that we connect on. So I just wanted to say I'm really excited to be here. Thank you for uh, yeah, inviting sure. me on. Um, my grief story, well, because grief is sneaky. So my grief story is sneaky also. So I'm uh, trained as a social worker. Um, and I've always been an underdog cheer squad and I've always, uh, been in the trenches. So as the social worker, my early in my career, it was like the, the hostels and the hovels I'm in Canada, in Toronto. Um, and like, this is the eighties, right? So these were like bleach kits and condoms we were handing out in the back alleys <laughs> in Toronto. And, and oh so God. I've always been in the trenches and then that as my, um, Career progressed. I did some uh, addictions work, and I've done crisis teams and shifts and worked with the police. And so I've always been with the underdog. And heaven knows, uh, grief is an underdog in our society. So I didn't know I was barreling towards grief um, professionally at all. And so what ended up happening was I ended up being sort of in our community one of the supporters for women and birth. So I was actually um, a therapist and a birth doula for many years. So attending births and supporting women who had um, stress, anxiety, depression, addictions, or birth trauma or sexual trauma in their lives. And we would work on where and how that would show up during the whole birthing process. Mm -hmm. Now, where it took a turn is if you do birth work long enough, you're very likely to meet loss as well. Yeah. So when I was doing the birth work, it just came to me like an aha moment about, oh, there are so many defining moments in birthing. And then when it intersected with loss, I thought the equal and opposite must be true. 
there has to be so many defining moments in loss as well. So I went back and retrained again then as a stillbirth doula so that I could support women who were experiencing loss at any stage of pregnancy or birthing or early infant loss. And then it grew from there in terms of people connecting and saying, well, it wasn't, it wasn't a child, it wasn't a baby, it wasn't a pregnancy, it was my brother. Uh, it was my husband, it was my auntie who you know acted as a mother. So years and years ago, I just kind of funneled that and went, oh, there's nobody doing this in a focused way, at least in my community. So again, training and researching, and I know you love science and I love science. And yeah, so so went down that path. And as I was doing that, I ended up having to reconcile with my, can we swear on your? YouTube? Sure, go for it. <laughs> I ended up having to reconcile with my grief shit that I hadn't yeah. thought I had dealt with, but had not fully dealt with. So that took me way back to being, you know, a, a young university student and the the death of my dad it took me back to the death of my mom so i became a mom without a mother it took me back to friends and friends children who you know uh, died by suicide so i had a whole lot of stuff to unpack and that needed to happen so that i could be clear for this work and uh, you guys i've just finished uh, brooks manuscript <laughs> giving the secret away that there's a book hopefully coming out no no they know <laughs> okay and I should ask these things before we go live. Um, and I'm just like, it's so clear in her book how her pain uh, became like her motivation. And that was true, that what happened for me as well in order to be clear and do this work. And I don't know, Brooke, like, do you, it's not a job. Do you feel that's more like a calling? It's more like, it a, is. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. kind of one of those things that you just are try, like, you can't not do it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> just, yeah, you're kind of drawn into it. And then it yeah. just is yeah. Yeah, part of and you. I, I, think. I, I think all of us that are drawn to do that kind of darker work, I, I mean, I think we're all a bit quirky. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Why would we choose this? But it, so it is, it's, it's a heartfelt, you have to have your own stuff together. Um, and I can't imagine doing anything else than supporting people in the grief because there are so many defining moments. And I know that people have it in themselves to be able to change those defining moments. Grief tells so many lies, so many myths, and we really need to find a way to meet them. So yeah. I'm really happy to be here to oh my talk gosh. about this. So happy to have you. So before we get into the identity stuff, I know mm. um, for people that aren't familiar with Joe, Joe is on YouTube and uh, has a channel called Grief Support that works, right? Mm -hmm. with, um, mm -hmm. Joe Rogers, and then also a website. Um, and one of the phrases that you use is uh, grievolution, which I love. So kind of, can you explain what that means a little bit and oh. what you think people need to do differently? Right. Grief. You may be so happy with that question. <laughs> I love wordplay, first of all. And I know you as a teacher <laughs> love words as well. And, yes. Um, so my vision is that grief needs a revolution. So we're together going to create a grievolution. I don't know all who's listening to live or in the replay, but we all inherited beliefs about grief. Mm -hmm. And so many of them are based in the stiff upper lip, just grind through it, get back to work, get back as much to normal as you can. And I just know that that doesn't serve supporting 
or an integration of anybody's grief in their life because they are it's just so surface. So grief needs a revolution. We need to do it differently. And so my belief and trust is in the fact that we need to have a relationship with our grief because there's a difference between having a relationship with our grief and feeling only just in our grief. Yeah. And so that's the, yeah, that's my word play on grief <laughs> needs a revolution. So welcome to yeah. the revolution. Yeah. I love that idea. And kind of going along with that. So I think part of the revolution is thinking about your identity. Like you said, so many people just have this idea of grief, like get through the five stages and you're done. And, you know, then, yeah, put on the happy face and, and move on. And as people who have been in grief and worked with it so much, that is absolutely not how it is at all. So, um, I think identity, losing your identity and identity changes are one of the things that people don't think a lot about yeah. before they experience grief. And then once you're in it, I personally feel like it is one of the most difficult things to deal with when you encounter a major loss. So mm -hmm. I guess, can we kind of start with your take on how a big loss can shake up someone's identity? Yeah, it's such an important question. You're right. It's not an often thought question in terms of we think of it as something that's happened to us, but we don't necessarily think of. So what does that mean for us? Um, and so people. I mean, grief is greedy and it's going to take all of your time and energy, emotions, everything at the beginning. There's no doubt about that. It needs that, unfortunately. Um, but then when sort of some of the shock and trauma starts to dissipate, if again, if you're doing some grief work, um, if you're able to get some sleep, if you're able to get some nutrition, get yourself back grounded. And some of that wears off a little bit, the shock and trauma then what I hear most often from people in my therapy practice is like, how do I do this? How do I do this? And that's so related to our identity at the very beginning. I mean, there's all kinds of phases we'll talk about, but at the very beginning, people are then questioning, well, like, who am I now? Like, cause I'm no longer, I'm no longer a wife or I'm no longer the sister to that person. I'm no longer the mom to a daughter. Mm -hmm. I'm no longer, um, the person that mentored me, I no longer have that, you know, light in my life either. So yeah. the early place to start where, where the identity starts to change is, so who am I now? And what does that mean for me? But because grief is so greedy, we don't often think to ask for ourselves. Like, so what does that mean for me? Yeah. And it shows up everywhere in terms of like, if you've lost a child, do you, I mean, and you've spoken about this book, like if you, do you identify yourself as a mother of three or do you identify yourself as two here with me and one who, pat? like it, it just, it's right to the core of our identity. Who are we now after this massive loss in our lives? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, yeah, anyone who knows my story, this is, such a big deal for me because the identity shift was so huge mm -hmm. for me going from, you know, the mom of a little girl who needed me for everything to, you know, a mom of two boys who were graduating from school and, you know, living on my own. <laughs> it is such a monumental shift. So mm -hmm. I, I feel like it's so important for people to give themselves the time to figure out mm. 
who they are now. Like they're, and there's so much work in that, especially I, and we'll talk about the different kinds of losses in a minute, but especially I think for the, the loss of a child, you just, <laughs> if it just shifts your whole world really. And if you, and I'm, I'm guessing because it's not my experience to have, you know, I didn't have other little kids in the house still. So I don't know how it would be for someone who has like, you know, multiple children that loses a child. Yeah. But I, even the things that that child did, like I went from being, you know, dance mom yeah. <laughs> to like not having to spend all of my nights of the week running around to the dance studio and, you know, constantly looking for tights and ballet shoes and whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, just such a monumental shift that I don't, it's hard to give yourself that time because so many of us are so busy in those identities yeah. that we go and go and go and we don't really think about it. And then once it's ripped away from you, it's like, oh my God, like who, who am I if I'm not doing this stuff all the time? Yeah. At least, I mean, that was my experience. It yeah. was kind of overwhelming trying to figure out who I well, I'm still working on who am I without being, you know, Libby's mom. And yeah. even when my mom was sick, like now I'm not taking care of my mom. Like, who, yeah, I felt like my, my role was always through other people. Mm -hmm. And now that it doesn't have to be, it it's, yeah, it can be very intimidating. I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like that's like we talk about grief and then we talk about the secondary losses that you mentioned. It's almost like that's the secondary identity loss because of like, and uh, just because I know you're a straight shooter, like just like you like at the first identity loss was no longer being the mom of Libby in this world. And then the next identity loss was, yes, like like dance mom and time and energy and cheer squad and all of that. Mm -hmm. And that's where it shows up for a lot of people, um, regardless of the loss, the source of the loss in terms of, uh, well, I remember one woman saying to me, it's like, she, she lost her husband. She had to then learn how to change the furnace filters. Right. Yes. So now I'm the person, now I'm the maintenance person in the house too. And another woman recently that I've spoken with had to, big property, had to learn how to ride the, ride a mower to, cut the lawn. So now she's the landscaper too, yeah. or how to cook for one. Like there are so many different places where our identity, we, we don't even recognize is going to be challenged through our loss. And then it shows up in a brutal way. Yeah. I think another big one is, um, especially if you lose a partner is financial, like the oh, financial yeah. identity yeah. of, you know, either the other person yeah. was the person who, paid the bills and dealt with all of that stuff. Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. have to figure out how to do it or like just how to readjust, you know, and all the things you don't think about before you lose someone who is also like your financial partner is such a huge deal as well. Yeah. yeah. And the kicker, because grief's got lots of kicks. Yeah. The kicker, the kicker is that you're then struggling A, to identify who you are, redefine who you are at a time when you're decision-making is challenged and your sleep is challenged and your emotions are all over the place. And it's just like, there's no toeholds. Right. And you are having to redefine your core, who, who you are now. And th like th there couldn't be a harder time to try and do that. Yeah. 
So we had mentioned secondary losses. Let's talk a little bit or get a little bit deeper into how they kind of contribute to the loss of identity. Can you just talk about, for people who might not be familiar, like what are some of those secondary mm -hmm. losses that people might experience? Yeah. Well, there can be a whole list, right? So it, as you mentioned, there can be financial insecurity. <clears throat> there could be housing insecurity now. There, there could be um, a faith insecurity because you're, you're feeling so challenged by your loss that you no longer have your sense of uh, trust in the world. There right. could be um, uh, physical instability because grief brings so many physical complaints. And like, how are you, who are you now with these heart palpitations? Yeah. Who are you now with these rashes that people don't necessarily think are grief related or these headaches or the neck or the hips that are no longer working? It, so there's so many ways that um, those secondary losses just really, really question uh, who am I now and and how am I supposed to reinvent myself from this place? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I think another one um, that I, I don't think you hit, but I found very important is the possible shift in friends and family. Oh, yeah. That, <laughs> that is also a huge one. I know I went through, I'm just kind of throwing these out from my own experience because mm -hmm. after Olivia died, I got divorced from my second husband. And so then it was kind of like the loss of identity of a wife, being a wife also. But I loved his friends and family. And uh. so then when we got divorced, it was it was a hard time having just lost Libby to also lose the support system of his friends and family because they were amazing. Um, and that was another thing that it was another identity loss for me, like not like finding an, a friend group, you know, and, and finding a family support system because my yeah. my family was kind of all over the place. Um, and we were never super like close knit. Uh, whereas his family was very close and did stuff mm -hmm. together all the time. So I loved that. I loved being part of that yeah. family. And then to have that go away was very yeah. difficult as well. So yeah, it was like another thing I was grieving yeah. at the time. No, I'm glad you mentioned that because grief in itself is so isolating because you can't, you can't not feel like nobody understands me. Of course, you know, like the grief isolates us in that, in that place because it's greedy and then time proves that to be true is that people also don't know necessarily how to connect with you so it challenges relationships in such a large way mm -hmm. people because we don't know who we are people don't know who we are <laughs> they they don't know how to react or respond yeah. and it's such a setup because it's the like the people that we think will most get us who will most be there to support us just often don't can't and yeah. so then then not only is who am i now it's like who am i now without those connections without those supports in my life without the presence of those activities or the inclusion in family and friends and it it that then makes us feel often okay so i am really alone in this and and i still don't know who i am and that's part of the who am i now that is ongoing for you and yeah I, like I, people get so tired of hearing me say this. I imagine it's like your losses, Brooke, are like still so recent. Mm -hmm. 
So it, yeah, we get into trouble then with our self expectations about I should have this figured out, I should be in a different place, because that's what society and friends and family are telling us that right. we should have got over this, we should be moving on, they wouldn't want us to be sad. And so then we come up against all of those myths about grief and, and our sense of so who am I now is, is just yeah. like open season on who am I now? Yeah. Well, I think the other thing that people don't get going along with that point is that you're not the same person after yeah. a big loss. <laughs> like part of the grief work is again, kind of finding that identity. And then a lot of times, once you do start to find that identity, the family and friends, the support system that you thought you might have, mm. They're just expecting you to get back to the old person that you were, which right. you're not going to be again. You know, I don't know if you found that with people that you you work with or with yourself. Like I'm, I'm thinking of my brother who just constantly is like, when are you gonna get back to normal? Yeah. I'm like, wait, there is no, Yeah. and he means very well. I love my brother. Yes, you spoke about him in your manuscript. So yes, I, I did. Yeah. About him in there, but yeah, it's that brother. So he, you know, and he's the first one to say, like, he does not do well with feelings, but it's like, dude, I'm never going to be that person yeah. again. Like that, that person is gone. So I'm not like getting over it. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's a new, you know, new world. So yeah, I think part of also finding your identity and dealing with the identity shift is finding that support system that supports you in that new identity as well. Yeah, I think that's a really important point that you've made because so, well, as I said, one of the first questions in my therapy practice that I get asked is how do I do this? And then the, the, the very quick follow-up is I just wanna get back to normal. Yeah. And so to, for you to, I'm not turning this into your therapy session, pardon no, me. It's okay. But for you, to, for you to know that you're not ever going to get back to normal, like that's an important landmark in doing your grief work. Yeah. Because everyone is supporting you to get back to normal. All the grief myths are supporting you to get back to, to normal. And yet your heart knows, like, how, how the heck could you do that? Like, this is important enough, significant enough, sacred enough that you're never going to be that person again. So yeah. I point out to people a lot of time when they kind of come to that eventual conclusion about, oh, I guess normal isn't my goal. It's like, no, you're, yes, thank <laughs> you. You've got the concept now because you need to keep asking that question. Who am I now with this massive loss in my life? Because you can't be who you were. Like it just, it just doesn't work. Our heads and our hearts won't allow that to happen. Yeah. I worry for the people that keep striving for that, honestly, uh, because then it's like a false finish line and that's just yeah. not going to support them in their grief work. So it, it is, that's almost like a, like a mature, maturing uh, grief filter to have about, yeah, I'm not going back. So where am I? Like it gives yeah. momentum to that, the direction of who am I now? Yeah. Cause it's not going back. That's, that's no and and I don't mean for that to sound like for anyone who's listening it sounds when you say that like I'm never gonna be normal again <laughs> I, I don't necessarily mean that oh yeah in no. an entirely negative way which is the other thing I think if a lot of people think if they can't get back to like normal or who they were before that everything's gonna be right 
terrible for the rest yeah. of their lives, which yeah. is like the point of my book is that you don't, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be that way. Like different and a new identity doesn't have to be negative. It, it could, yeah. and I hate saying, a, it, I hate to be like, I don't yeah. want to be the toxic positivity person. Yeah. Either, and I know you're not like that either. So, so yeah. I'm not throwing out like your life can be better. You know, no, my life would be better if I had my 10 year old daughter, you know? But, yes. But it doesn't have to suck is my point. It, it can be, <laughs> yes. you know. Yeah. Hence, hence, hence your, hence. Yeah, your stance on it doesn't have to suck, but that, that's really important because there is like that's the other thing we're up against when we're talking about grief is that toxic positivity of just you never get more than you can handle or they're in a better place like all of those kinds yeah. of things like we end up measuring our who am i now up against so many of those beliefs and all the places that they're referenced and offered up to us as solutions to our grief and right. so it does get very concerning around where are you going with this grief in your life? It's, I, yeah, I, I know you're not uh, trying to just make it sound doom and gloom. And I've used the phrase all the time. If any of you've watched my YouTube or what I, I call it the gift in the garbage, <laughs> because you can have the garbage of a loss and the self-identity loss and the secondary losses and the battered self-esteem and another thing I want to talk about in a minute is loyalty. To, like you can experience all of that or you can experience all of that and look for your way to live with it. Yeah. Because there's a very big difference uh, between uh, being in grief versus I have grief on me. I have mm -hmm. sadness on me. And if you can yeah. try to, uh, compartmentalize it a little bit, which is a really hard task when we're grieving because there are no compartmentalists. <laughs> um, if you can imagine that it is something that's on you that you can then take off of you, you can't throw it out, you can't get rid of it, but you, maybe you can put it so that it comes along for the ride at your side as opposed mm -hmm. to it just being your only core reference point. Yeah, I love that. I love that imagery. Mm -hmm. I'm going to throw up um, some comments quickly that were, okay. so Valerie says, hi, hi, Valerie. <laughs> Valerie is a very loyal listener. Mm. So thank you. Carissa, hi, Carissa says, good morning. I think it's such an important conversation. While I haven't experienced the loss you are talking about, I feel like this is relatable for other traumas, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Any definitely can apply to different traumas. And Carissa, some of the stuff, I know Carissa, some of the stuff that Carissa has gone through has absolutely, I'm sure, shifted your identity. Some yep. things. Yep. Oh, thank you for comment. If anyone else has any comments or any questions for us, I'll yep. say um, for new people that are joining us, please feel free to leave them in the chat and we will get to them when we can. So I, what um, we can I comment just on Carissa's comments? Yeah, absolutely, please. Simply because, and I also proudly, I think, or boldly proclaim that I am a grief snob. <laughs> and I know that that is a privileged place to be because I've had the opportunity to study and train and process my own stuff and spend hours and hours supporting other people with their traumas. So I think, Krista, you were spot on that 
um, trauma itself redefines our identities and it, regardless of where that trauma comes from. So the who am I now question just applies so far and wide. So if you are seeking support for your grief, such as, you know, what Brooke offers or I offer or anybody offers, please make sure that it is trauma informed. Mm -hmm. Because mm, lots <laughs> of therapists and counselors and helpers um, are well intentioned. Yes. And, and but not necessarily trauma informed. So I'm sure years ago on my psychology today profile, I would have risked <laughs> grief and I would have not known what I was doing with that. Yeah. So know that as a society, we were so uncomfortable with grief that we really need to be careful about where we trust our grief, where we take our grief to for the right kind of support. So that's my Agreed. professional rant. Great. That's okay. I ran away. That is a good, <laughs> very good point. Um, you had mentioned talking about loyalty. So I just want to make sure we don't miss that point that you were going to make. Yep. The whole concept of loyalty comes from that idea of can I be somebody different with my grief? Because again, we're up against our self expectations, we're up against uh, society's expectations of move on, it's a new year, it's a new you, they wouldn't want you to be spending your life sad, all of those kinds of things. And yet in our hearts, we often worry that creating the new me means leaving who I was for them or with them. So the whole concept of loyalty is like, if I move on with my grief, am I leaving them behind? And, and it just creates such a friction yeah. to do our grief work to who am I now means I'm leaving who I was with them. It, and it's just such a conundrum. And I think it trips us all up in terms of like, how do I, how do I figure out who I am and be who I am in this new life without feeling like I'm leaving them behind? I love that point so much. And I've experienced that myself a lot. So yeah, yeah. I, you're 110% correct. So yeah. <laughs> well, and personally, like I'll just get personal for a moment. Like yeah, go for it, because that one hit me pretty hard. Yeah, yeah I can tell. So um, when, when my dad died, like when we start making decisions from our place of trauma or our place of loyalty, that's not necessarily a forward momentum decision or a future thinking decision. So when my dad died, I started making all kinds of really bad decisions based out of loyalty to like misguided loyalty to him and staying in the same place. And yeah. like, I almost married the very wrong person because they shared the name like that. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, that was just like a very bad decision. I bought a car because he worked at GM it was a very bad decision. Yeah. Like if, so if we, if we keep making decisions based on our trauma and our loss out of loyalty, then that's, there's no room for future integration. There's no room for the new, who am I now? Yeah. Whereas if we can start making decisions about, who am I now and how do I honor them in that life? It changes the whole energy about who am I now? Yeah. So who am I now? Like, can I, 
okay, well, it was one of the references in your in your manuscript, which was so powerful. Um, like, can I go to a restaurant and have a laugh with friends and not feel like I'm betraying my daughter who died because yeah. I'm in public having a laugh? And are people looking at me thinking about that? I'm looking at me and thinking that. So surely they are like all of those kinds of loyalty questions about staying. Are you so I'm going to distill it down. Like, are you staying loyal to the death? Are you staying loyal to the trauma of the death? Or are you staying loyal to being present with them at your side? Oh, I think so many people get stuck in that part. And it, it is challenging. I mean, because those feelings are strong. Mm. And you do feel like if if you are laughing in a restaurant or if you are, I have people ask me all the time, like, how are you functioning? <laughs> and then I feel guilty because it's like, oh, am I doing something wrong because I'm functioning? I mean, I know that I still have the moments where I'm curled up on my sofa crying. Right. But, you know, people don't see those. They, they see yeah. me on here. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a very weird line to walk but I think and we might get into this when we start talking about things that people can do to to kind of help with the identity stuff but figuring out how to carry your person with you and honoring them while yeah. you are still being true to that new identity I think is such a huge part of it like you know does that make sense? Like carry, like figuring out how to <laughs> to balance yeah. the the honoring yeah. and remembering of your person yeah. with moving forward is yeah. such a big part of grief work. Yeah, I yeah. I agree with you completely, and that's I want. So I want to loop back to the doom and gloom moment <laughs> that we talked about too, because I think that's so important to be able to offer some inspiration to people to know that that can be done with safe, guided yeah. um, introspection or or online courses or there. Like there are so many ways. Grief yoga. Like there are so many ways to begin to meet that. Um, and my kind of visual about that is that you don't want your grief to be like your first filter, so that your entire life gets filtered through it mm. yeah you don't want to like try to pretend it's behind you because of, and, like it never happened or i'm getting back to normal because it will eventually bite you in the butt <laughs> yeah. what you want like the visual is that you want it here you want it beside you it's your passenger sadly unfortunately it is your passenger but it can come along with you mm -hmm. and so that 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 kind of helped me create my approach to grief is in terms of three states of grief like there's the storm at the beginning where it's all chaos and shock and trauma and to-do lists because the early days of grief are so busy right there's so many and and all of those to-do lists become our quests and then we think oh this is how i'm doing my grief and checklists and i'm getting this done and i'm organizing a, a funeral or a celebration or I'm informing the school or like whatever your checklists are. It's like, okay, it's, there's, there's evidence of you doing your grief work. And then when some of that busyness slows down, then we go into the, what I call the integration stage. And it's like, oh, this is real. Like, how do I do it? 
And then who am I now? And then the third state that I uh, preach to people about is the integration. And I think that's what you're talking about. So like, Mm -hmm. how do I do this? How do I be this new person and bring them along with me, bring the love that I have for them? People die, but the love doesn't die. Like, how do I bring them along with me is the integration stage. And that's, again, a mature um, phase of grief to be able to be asking those questions and to be finding answers. And so many people will do things like I've seen you do with your um, with your trust, with your organization mm-hmm. to support other dancers. Uh, people, I see people organize incredible hockey tournaments or um, run for the cause. The, mm-hmm. um, I see people make their uh, vigils at grave sites or like how do you how do you go back to work be present work effectively and go to your daughter's gravesite all in a day <laughs> those yeah. are massively challenging questions about so how who am i now and how do i do this so i i think those are very big tripping points but i don't know you've seen it you're doing it i see it all the time i've done it with many of my losses that like it can change. And so we do need to offer some of that inspiration. Like we're, you and I are kindred spirits in terms of we, A, we need to be real. And then yeah. B, we need to offer hope for hope. transformation. Well, yeah. Yeah. That's such a big part of what I know we both try to do because, because it can happen. And so much that's out there, there's a lot of doom and gloom, <laughs> yeah. uh, especially on social media. It's like, man. Oh, yeah. I, like, yes. Scroll and it is like constant yeah. negativity and sadness and oh well and yeah. and uh re-traumatizing and vicarious traumatizing yes. and that just fuels me a to be angry but b to be motivated in terms of it's because we don't have places safe places to take our grief so we just yes. keep grinding it over and over and over in places that allow it and yeah oh, professional snob again there you go yeah. <laughs> It's okay. We need this. Okay. So Valerie says, this is such a great topic. I'm struggling with who I am and my relationships are all different now. Mm. Yeah. This is part of it. Okay. So for people like Valerie, let's get into Mm. what, what can people do if they are struggling with their identity? Do you have any suggestions for how people can kind of deal with this struggle? Uh, well, we can talk all day about this. Um, I know. <laughs> when I started my YouTube channel, someone said, cause I, and, and I was like pledging to make a video every week. I don't do that anymore necessarily, but uh, I did for almost two full years. And they said like, aren't you going to run out of things to talk about? It's like, no. nope. <laughs> so here we are, you and I both still going after many videos and many hours. So what to do about that? I think um supporting yourself through those early stages of grief like i say the storm where everything's so frenetic um and getting into that integration phase about so who am i now and how do i do this because this is real i think giving yourself permission to ask those questions and trying to myth bust about time heals all just you know chin up and keep going and stay calm and move on all of those kinds of things i think we need to check ourselves with that because that's society's discomfort with grief that's taking us to those places and i i 
it, it, I can't not go back to that loyalty place because I think it's so important to know that moving forward with your grief is not a dishonoring. It is not disloyalty. Yes. And, and it's such an individual process um, because grief is a process. It is not an event. <laughs> That's really important to know. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. Um, so, so giving yourself permission to ask those questions, giving yourself, and again, like, because I go back to like birthing and deathing, there are so many analogies, like becoming a parent, you, you need to give yourself permission for a learning curve because people will say, oh, it's all normal and natural. And that's not true. You need to learn how to, how to labor, how to birth. You need to learn how to breastfeed. You need to learn how to deal with toddlers tantrums. Like <laughs> it is a learning curve. And the, and so equal and opposite, the same is true of loss that you need to give yourself permission to research what works for you, to create your own personal, oh, and you did that in your book again. So I keep going back to the manuscript around creating, what did you call it? Your own health, healthy living? No. Healthy living library. Yes. You yeah, need to yeah. find out research and experiment with an open mind and curiosity, which are ridiculous things I'm asking of you when you're grieving. But you need to bring that to find out what works for you for your specific grief at this specific moment. It's not what worked for you last week may not this week, just like parenting. Right. It's so important to give yourself permission to find what grounds you today and have have that library of skills and tools and techniques to be able to draw upon and that's just not what we think about when we think of grief in society it's like someone died you have the funeral you might get a week or two off you go back to work and life moves on yeah it doesn't work that way it's not like that no at all. <laughs> no no and you spoke again in your manuscript you spoke about that and how like like it's just so clear how little is recognized in um bereavement leaves <laughs> yeah. oh my gosh oh that's a whole other <laughs> yeah 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 but, it, it, it supports, but it supports how society says yes. fix yourself move on get back to normal exactly yeah not yeah. helpful <laughs> uh i would say like from valerie to to answer your question and anybody else I would say start with basics mm -hmm. um, before you tackle the big identity questions. Start with making sure you're getting enough to eat and that it's relatively healthy and that you're getting off your sofa, not like running marathons, just getting off your sofa yeah. and getting dressed and bathed and, you know, that kind of thing. And try to set up, you know, at least a little bit of a support system. And then once you have that tackled and you're a little bit further along, yeah. I think so much of it is just having those difficult conversations with yourself about what really makes you happy. Like what, you know, <laughs> it's it's scary to think about like who am I and it might be different from who you've been but at least for me it was almost an opportunity to kind of reinvent myself not completely but you know just to I hate saying start over it was kind of like starting over for me because I had so many things that changed but in such a short 
time span. Yeah. But I think, and I think I say this in my book as well, like, think about your future and what you want it to look like. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how ridiculous it is. <laughs> I just, yeah. just plan a future that makes you excited and then do any tiny little step you can to get you there. Um, yeah. And that is kind of what, that, that's kind of what I did. And it kind of keeps me going. And, yeah. and I think don't be afraid to change a little bit, you know, a lot of people are, are scared of that change and it is really scary, but yeah. you know, one of the things I had mentioned, um, and you had brought it up kind of the, the silver linings. And like I said, I hate that toxic positivity, but I, I think it can, if you look at it the right way, be a chance to turn into something that can be positive, yeah. like not necessarily overall, obviously, like I said, I'd, I'd want my daughter back in a heartbeat, but, but there are things that I enjoy about my life now that I, I wouldn't right. have had, you know, that I wouldn't have been able to do. And yeah. if you uh, hadn't been forced to, yeah, if I hadn't been forced to do it. So it, it is almost, yeah, that forced identity change, just, you can make something <laughs> I hate, I'm watching This Is Us right now, and, and they keep using the phrase, like, you take the most sour lemons possible and make something resembling lemonade. <laughs> and, and when I heard that, it was like, oh, that's pretty much, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of how it works. It might not be the best, you know. Yeah, no, but, I, I would agree with that. And I think that's just such an important um, uh, concept to offer to people in, in like psychological terms, we call that forecasting. Yeah. So if you can even plant that seed of thinking like at the very beginning that the future could be different. <laughs> if you could even plant the seed of, I won't always feel this way is yeah. so important in terms of imagining a future that you, you may not know how or why or when, uh, but imagine a future that can feel different than what you feel in the moment. And, right. and you, yes, you did that so beautifully with the integration of, in your book, around um, that Libby was your biggest cheerleader and how proud she would be of you to be stepping out, putting yourself out there, taking risks with podcasts and YouTube and a book. Like, that's the magic. Yeah. It's a terrible word to use when we're talking about crap, but that's the magic of being with your grief, with it's beside you and imagining a future, a different future yeah. with it. Does yeah. that, is it, do you feel like no, that? No, that's absolutely, yeah, perfect, perfect. Okay, so we are at 47 minutes right now. I don't know, <laughs> is there anything else that you definitely wanted to talk about today. I want to make sure people know like where they can find you and everything, but I don't see any other questions that we have, right. comments or anything. Is is there anything or do you have any closing thoughts for anyone about identity and grief? Uh, I, I, just to say that I think uh, like you and I couldn't be doing this 
day after day without trusting that it can be different because yeah, yeah. we like we're not we're not in the pits of the trauma always we are in the pits of the trauma and with the knowledge that this can change for people that yeah. being with your grief meeting your grief in whatever way feels right for you experimenting with that is i don't know it's like the secret sauce to grief shit <laughs> yes exactly yeah so, and it's not going to it's also i think important you know because we're all like find hope look at your future it's yeah. not going to feel like that every no, day no it's, no. Like, it's no. It's the waves, you know, you ride the waves, but if you do have that glimmer that it can be different, even if it doesn't feel that way all the yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah, it's really nice. yeah. And I support your goal. If it feels so overwhelming, go back to the basics. Can, can you make your goal today to drink three glasses of water? Cause yesterday you had none. Can you make your goal today to have like a handful of almonds or cashews because you know, you didn't eat yesterday right. and, and just really go back to the basics because that's, those are dress rehearsals for doing the bigger stuff. It's yeah. the same process, different issues maybe, but be kind to yourself, shake off society's expectations, be honest with yourself and your grief. And as uh, you know, Brooke's trust method in her book offers up, it's, it's doable. It is attainable. Thank you. We're really plugging the book today. <laughs> well, I just finished it. I'm sorry. It's, it's a hot topic in my head. <laughs> no, I appreciate it so much. No, Joe, Joe, for anyone listening, Joe, I sent her the manuscript and she wrote me an amazing review. So I am so appreciative yeah, of that. I yeah. can't wait for people to actually get a hold of it. I need to <laughs> get it out there in the world. But thank you. We again. will be patient, but the grief world needs it. So I'm just so thrilled. It's coming. It's coming. So Carissa, again, Brooke, I think you've navigated your losses with beauty and strength and have inspired so many people. You've kept Libby's bright light shining. Thank you. Really lovely. I hope so. I hope so. She was worth it. She's, she deserves it. She deserves that bright light shining. She's somewhere bragging right now. <laughs> Great conversation and insight. Thank you, David. Ah. <sighs> Well, Joe, thank you so much. Can you let people know where they can find you? Uh, yeah, super easy. www.joemcrogers.com is the website. And uh, yeah, send questions. There's a course that I've created. There's a community that I'm about to be launching again. And so much of the way I work, if you know and love Brooke, then I know that we are aligned. That's why today happened. And yeah, this is great. So if you want, because I don't have any courses or anything yet. So if that's something that you are looking for, or if you're looking for a community you can belong to, Joe and I are like, definitely, you should check Joe out. Because yeah, <laughs> we think similarly. So yeah, good stuff. Well, thank you so, so much for joining us today for morning coffee. Thank that you. I always end my YouTube videos with kind thoughts, kind words, and a kind heart. So thank you for having me here today. Of course. All right, everyone have a great week and I will see you next Sunday. Take care.